Hello and welcome to In Common, a podcast with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. On this, we speak with successful people and have an honest and open conversation about some of the challenges we all have when it comes to our mental health. On this episode, we have comedians Rosie Jones and Susie Ruffle, who share their story, experiences and thoughts on identity, LGBTQ+, and disability. Thanks for coming. You know, you've come a, a very long way. <laughs> <laughs> All the way from the other side of London. Yeah. Um, I since lockdown, I'm used to working from the house a lot. Mm. So when I was travelling over and over away, yeah. it, it feels like I'm on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> With us in a podcast yeah. studio. Yeah. yeah, in this sunny place. <laughs> yeah. How are you both anyway? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, a little bit tired, had a busy weekend. Yeah. And sort of trying to do the juggle. The juggles, the juggles tough. The juggle the of juggle. life, the, the life work juggle. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, the big good. balancing act. And how are you? Yeah. Other than having travelled very far. Well, yeah. Well, we were just chatting, and yeah, the juggle speaks to me as well. I've been. All over filming recently, um, and I do not had time to sleep, um, so my body keeps doing a very full thing and keeps giving me migraines uh-huh. because it knows it's the only way I'll stay in bed <laughs> for the whole day. So had a big old migraine yesterday, uh-huh. but now I'm okay, back to normal. That's great. Are you um, is is migraine something you've always got? Did you get it when you were at uni, or is it now? No, totally in relation to yeah. your job. So my dad um has always had them, and for him, they were related to stress at work. So you're like snap. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's I. Think in my twenties, I had them about once a year. But as my job has ramped up, definitely in the last year, eighteen months, I'm now having a cool, sicky migraine day about once a month. Really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, tough. that's tough. Yeah, I feel like I jumped straight into this conversation because, yeah, it's getting that balance right. And I think because I love comedy and love my work so much, I say yes to everything and 
Now I kind of need to step back a little bit and go, oh, maybe I don't need to work every day. Mm. Maybe yeah. I can uh, de-stretch a little because, let me tell you, migraines are not fun. You heard that here first. <laughs> How are you? Me, I'm actually great, thanks. Yeah, good. I mean, not many people ask me that on this, so it's, it's, no, good. it's good to be asked. Oh, thanks. no, that's I'm out good. of order. I feel like we're talking about yeah. mental health. <laughs> you should check you that you're yeah, okay I'm as here, well. I'm here every time, so it's fine. Oh, no, but you got to listen to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> you I might mean, be taking our struggles with you. <laughs> you might go home with a migraine because of Rosie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that the level of my body should at least get ahead of Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can definitely relate to your juggle and... Mm -hmm trying to manage life and work often the two blend because mm -hmm. you know naturally we just love what we do yeah and so life becomes work work becomes life 100%. yeah but yeah. with that both become your identity of course mm -hmm. you know and i want to ask a very a very broad question how do you define yourself so this can come in many different ways whether it's in terms of your personality, in terms of what you've done, your achievements, your work, your aspirations. But a lot of us put ourselves out there mm -hmm. and how we introduce ourselves is, is almost by what we do as opposed to who we are. Yeah. And so um. I'm sure as myself and as everybody else, we we kind of find our way through life, redefining ourselves all the time. But yet, even though we redefine ourselves, we're always still the same person. But not what we ne necessarily define it ourselves by. So I want to ask that very broad question to start with is how do you define yourself? Rosie? I mean, that's hard. I mean, who am I? I think as we've already established work comes first to me, so Probably my initial identity is I'm a comedian, writer, actor, ever, anything Broadcaster. Yeah, anything you bloody pay me for. <laughs> um, Within reason. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but then, who am I? I, if you know me, I'm so proud of who I am and my labels. So I would always say I'm disabled and gay. I'm a woman and I'm a legend. So <laughs> um, it's hard to like say who I might be because it's all of those in one. Mm. Um, yeah, I. I, I think for a lot, I think that more recently I would say that I'm, it's hard, isn't it? Because you end up sort of 
um, defining yourself by how other people, what you are to other people. So I was about to say I'm a wife and a mum, but then, which I am, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm, I, I guess I, I, I would, I would, yeah, say the sort of similar things to Rosie in that I'm gay, I'm a woman. And I think that what I do because it's my passion and I think because, I mean, I'm sure lots of people can relate to this. When you're lucky enough that your passion becomes your job, yeah, you you don't, you don't have, a, you know, your work, it's come back to work life, which we mm. started talking about a few minutes ago. But I think that, yeah, I would probably put comedian in there as well because in in the same way that someone would sort of put a hobby in because it started as a hobby yeah and then it became my job and then it and it became and i became sort of obsessed by being a stand-up and by being as funny as i could possibly be but yeah i think that's a really difficult question um i mean i hope that there'll be other attributes that i could talk about i think that i'm loyal and um mm. kind I hope, uh, <laughs> you know, and things, and things like that, like hopefully things that, but again, that's probably things that I would hope that other people would say about me yeah. Yeah. rather than what I'd define myself as. I guess I'm gay woman who's always slightly anxious <laughs> <laughs> and makes a good cup of tea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can confirm. Do you want it? Uh, yeah. Thank you. there, baby. I think the main reason I asked that is because... We all have a way of being put into our boxes almost yeah. when it comes to our identity. And it's almost as, as if we present ourselves with this stereotype as we go through life, mm -hmm. you know, whatever we, whatever we redefine ourselves, as I said, you know, it, it just becomes, that is our box that we kind of present to other people mm -hmm. when we meet them. And almost when you present yourself in this way, you give someone straight away their a way of looking at you mm. and yet mm. i'm sure as you know as I, I can speak from personal experiences i'm sure you can both speak from your own no two people look the same with that box no no, no. it's interesting because i should make a lot about my sexuality and my disability and a lot of um Gay disabled people come at me out and like meet me in the street, and it's so interesting how two people can take the same boxes, but they can be totally different, mm -hmm. um, and. We'll probably get onto this more later, but being gay, disabled, and on TV in the media, that feels quite heavy because I started now, I wanted to speak for disabled people and queer people. But that's heavy on my little shoulders. Yeah. So now I just try to speak for me and 
how I choose to tip my certain boxes in my certain way and that people relate to that great mm. but I do not speak for all gay disabled women mm. out there yeah. I think that's the thing I think when you come from a sort of a smaller community you know obviously Rosie's gay and disabled whereas I'm just talking about sort of gay women for example yeah. I think that people because there's such a lack of representation certainly for queer women I mean yeah. I think it's fantastic how much representation there is for gay men but I was looking through like things that were being announced on TV or things that had been nominated for BAFTAs and mm. different things like that and I was like wow, there are a lot of shows out, and I think that it's great, but about a gay man's experience of coming out, of finding their place, of becoming who they are in the world, yeah. or like a historical piece, like It's a Sin. And I'm so pleased that all of those things exist, and I think they all are really important, but you're like, if you're looking for lesbian content, you're like, you better hope it's a period drama, and she's yeah. in bustle, because otherwise we are not on screen, mm. and it will be played by a straight woman. Yeah. Which I don't think is a massive problem, but I do think it's sort of similar to... You're Northern. Yeah. I think that when you watch someone doing a Northern accent, sometimes you can tell they're doing a Northern accent. Yeah. I think it's the same with playing gay. I think some people are really great actors and they can do it fine. But sometimes, like accents, you can sort of go, I'm not sure that that's... I think that if you can find someone with the right accent, it's probably best to cast them. Yeah. If you can't, yeah. totally fine. Totally yeah. fine. I think, yep, lots of people can learn how to do stuff. But I think if you can possibly do that, there's a certain... I don't know, like... Um, well, it's, I'm, I'm doing like a little for, for listeners. I'm doing like a little yeah. sort of thing with my finger well, and thumb where I'm sort of going. We're on camera. We're on camera. <laughs> yeah, like you know, there's a certain something that yeah. I think you can tell yeah. sometimes. You know, uh, I'm not talking about anyone specifically. Uh, yeah, but I think that's the thing. I think because of being, you know, obviously with Rosie, the things that she said for, for myself, like I, I do a podcast about coming out, and I talk. I don't think I talk extensively. I mean, I'm sure angry people on the internet will be like, how long before she mentions she's gay? And I'm like, I don't know, five seconds. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it, look, I think that because there's not loads of us, I think that sometimes people really cling on to like, you being a version of yourself that you're not because you're not perfect. Mm. So yeah. it's like, you shouldn't say this, or you should speak up about that, or you should do this thing where you get people in touch with you. Or, you know, I've had before people say to me after I've come on stage, you swear a lot. And, you oh, know, and you're like, yeah. you know, you're representing our community and you swear a lot. And I'm like, well, then you fucking represent our community. <laughs> I, can only, I can only represent me. Like, it's I'm true, from yeah. a very sweary family. We all swear. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? I think that's sometimes the... I'm, I don't, I don't want to speak... Mm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think sometimes... The, the luxury and the, the joy of being yeah. able to be someone where you go, oh, I get to tell my story, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I think because, I mean, there's very few lesbian stories. I mean, there's yeah. so, I think I think you are the gay <laughs> lesbian story. <laughs> so I think that sometimes people want you to be a specific thing to them. Yeah. And you, you can only be what you are. And I think yeah. that if people expect something specific from you, they, they're more often than not end up disappointed because yeah. you won't live up to that expectation. Yeah. Want practical advice, interviews, support, films and loads more sent straight to your inbox every month? Want to be kept updated with all of the good stuff? News, sports events, gigs, films, art, music and more? Want to know how you can do anything and everything against living miserably? Of course you do. 
Stand with us, United Against Suicide, and sign up to join Calm at thecalmzone.net. But you're absolutely right, it's because, like, we had so very little content that we could search for. I mean, I feel like it's a joke between queer women of a TV called the L Word, mm-hmm. which isn't good. <laughs> it's not a good show, but every queer woman has seen it and loves it because growing up it was that one TV show that we could watch it and feel seen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, right, it's... um. It's still unfortunately quite like that now. So people, um, and I love it, but a lot of people come up to me and hug me and they feel like they know me and they thank me for what I'm doing because they're very few stories like mine um, but because of that they put me on a pedestal that I am often worried that I wobble up that pedestal if I reveal myself to be flawed or human. Mm-hmm. So everything recently when I go out into the world, I, I worry slightly in a way that isn't healthy for me. And I feel like I need to let that go mm. and just do me. Difficult though, because as you've just mentioned, you know, there are there there are now very few stories like yours. And so when you were growing up, that must have been even more difficult. Because what what who did you look to for inspiration and who did you look to as guidance for your identity in these spaces when you were growing up? Um Nobody, no. I think growing up on TV, there was a um, comedian and actor called Francesca Martinez, who's brilliant. But like what we were saying before, apart from her being disabled and having brown hair. I didn't look at her and think, oh my God, she's exactly like me. Um, And then when you add sexuality into that, I 
didn't come out properly till I was 26 because it took that long for me to get... Oh, I just poked myself in the fucking <laughs> eye. But it's OK, cos I kept my tea on me. It's fine. Thank God. Yeah, it took me so long to be OK with me, cos I didn't know where I fit. In the world, being gay and disabled. Um, but I did it eventually, and now I couldn't be prouder. And that is why I speak out, because I just want a little boy or girl is in a a small town in the UK, you might be feeling like they might be gay or queer and they might be disabled. I want them to turn the telly on, see me probably being an absolute moron on TV. (laughs) Yeah, like probably like swearing, chatting about my tits, something like that, and going... Being drunk and abusive. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, hitting some man for some reason. (laughs) Um, And think oh she can be disabled and gay and herself and most importantly happy because mm. i am bloody happy if she can be herself i can be myself mm. being yourself is is exactly it that's the yeah, I think my my favorite ever quote is the privilege of a lifetime is being able to be yourself. Yeah, that's Which, a great quote. Yeah, I mean, someone told me the other day, and I just tell everyone now. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think that yeah, I really echo a lot of what Rosie's saying. You saying about like who were you looking up to? It was so sparse. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of gay women. I mean, it was like Sandy Toxvig. Mm. Yeah, it was literally. She was the only person that I was like, oh, she's funny and gay, and Ellen Generous. And the main thing that I knew about Ellen DeGeneres was she came out and she lost her sitcom. That was the thing. Mm. So she came out, there was an episode of her sitcom called The Puppy Episode. She came out in it and her sitcom then got cancelled because America... And so this is like in the 90s, like mid-90s. And I remember quite clearly, you know, when I was working out my sexuality, which was probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was like, oh my God, she was like the biggest, one of the biggest stars in America. She came out and overnight she was off telly. There were like loads of like, the press used to call her Ellen DeGenerate rather than Ellen DeGeneres. And like, and I just remember thinking, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to deal with this. Mm. No way I'm ever going to deal with this because it's like so hostile and so 
and I just have to hide it. I just have to hide who I am. And, you know, similar to what Rosie said, it's the, the, you know, the reason that I'm, you know, so, you know, pub, not publicly out is such a stupid thing to say. I'm just me. Like, I'm just, yeah. I just talk about my life on stage. You know, my life, I'm gay. Mm. You know, but the reason that I talk about it on podcasts or on my own podcast is because, you know, I, it would have been a lifeline if I had known. Yeah. I would have saved so many years of sadness and therapy and like just overwhelming anxiety that grips you from the moment you get out of bed to the moment you go to sleep if i if someone had said to me by the way one day you'll have a job that you love none of your friends will care that you're gay you'll have friends that are gay straight whatever no one will care that you're gay you'll have a partner that loves you to bits you can be a mum your mum and dad won't care yeah. You know, it might take them a moment to get their head around yeah. it, but they'll come to the party eventually. Your nan won't care. You know, if someone had said that stuff to me, I would have been... I mean, I think of my late teens. I was so... I was so sad. I was so stressed all of the time. I was so stressed all of the time. I was like a little ball of, like, negative energy because I was just terrified that people were going to find out this secret about me and it would mean that my life was over. And that's a heavy burden to carry around as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to carry. And so I think that's the thing. I think by being out and being open and being, the main thing is happy, sharing your happiness, sharing your sort of queer joy with the world, saying it's it's fine, it's okay, it's no big deal. It will get, you'll get to a stage where it isn't, you know, a big deal. It's just part of who you are. Yeah. yeah, and it's a long journey, like to yeah. to go from like both of you now. You sit here and you're just like, I'm just ha I'm just happy. Yeah. Happiness is the main thing, and that you'd want in life. So I know so interesting going back to even now what you were saying about the lack of queer women on TV. I feel like now. Even now when queer women are in dramas, it's always tragic. Mm -hmm. Like someone always dies or someone can't come out. There's very little stories like our real life stories of just being queer, happy women in love, married, having children, having families. And that's what I want to get out, that being queer or gay or different and also every disabled character on tv is tragic mm. so i want to show that you can be uh, queer and or disabled and have a good life because that is not shown nearly enough um uh, when i came out to my mum and dad they were great and they were immediately they said we love you um 
با من بوم جوشد I'm worried about your life because you're disabled because it's hard and she said I just think I'm gonna worry a little bit more now that you're even more different which again as as a mum I understand why she would say that but it's because on TV in the media my mum doesn't really see happy uh, queer women in love and yeah we settled need, and yeah we need to show that more how do you think you've come to this point because it's it would have been a long journey you talk about being anxious every day and you talk mm-hmm. about being sad and and being so different to now where you're just so happy both of you are very comfortable with who you are and very settled that's a that's a big jump it's a very long journey to to get there so how do you come through that is it coping mechanisms through what you do and your work and being able to speak or what is there something that you can pinpoint and say this is what helped probably the most um well i am happy i love who i am Mm. but that concept of that i am not there and i'm not sure if I ever will be there because I think for me it's a continuous journey of um, accepting different parts of my identity and I think as it's funny, I'm 32 now, and I think when I turned 30, I started to unpack who I was a lot more, and I think I've spent um, 30 years saying, I'm disabled, but I love being disabled. And then I turned 30 um, and realised that I I am disabled. I do. I'm happy I'm disabled, but there are parts of my life which would be easier if I wasn't disabled and I'm continuously trying to check myself for um, internalised ableism. Things like I, I wobble when I walk um, I think a lot of my life would be easier 
if I used a chair of a walking frame, but I won't do that because for me, walking aids equals disabled in bright red lettering and I don't want to be more disabled but I need to check myself I need to realise that sometimes my um, interpretation of giving in and accepting help isn't wrong. Mm. So in terms of accepting who I am, my own disability, and when they come to my sexuality, if someone says to me, are you a lesbian? I, I always say yes, but it, there's a part of my brain that goes, no, you're not. Lesbian's a bad word. I'm a gay woman. And again, I'm carrying a lot of internalised homophobia from growing up in the 90s <laughs> in a small seaside town when the word lesbian was used as an insult. <laughs> so it's like I'm happy I love my identity and so proud of being a disabled gay woman, but I'm still working on myself, getting help, checking in, because I'm still on that journey of if you've been affected by anything covered in this pod then the calm guides can help from anxiety to depression relationship breakdowns to money worries they cover the issues that can leave you feeling crap they're not here to tell you what to do just give you some friendly practical info that can help you understand these challenges and how to find help and move forward head to www.thecalmzone.net forward slash guides i think i think that I, I'm definitely not at the, I think that I'm still on a journey as well because I'm still anxious a lot of the time because I overthink everything because I worry that I've said the wrong thing or offended someone or said, which is so not, so not what I would do, but I, so I worry so much about being misinterpreted or being, I'm certainly not at a stage where I'm like, you know, I leave every <laughs> social interaction by going, is that all right? Like, I'd love to leave a social interaction and be like, well, I smashed that. <laughs> like, I, just, I just never have, you know. And so I think that hopefully in time I will be, you know, not leaving a conversation thinking I smashed that, but certainly leaving thinking, oh, yeah, I know, I, I, I know what I said and I know how I came across. I think that 
all of that comes down to the fact that I was really hiding who I was for a, for a long time. Mm. Not a really long time. You know, I came out of my early 20s. But I think that if you're terrified that people are going to find out something about you, even once you've let everyone know what that secret is, it's hard not to have that 15-year-old version of yourself inside of you going, if people find out who you really are, they're all going to hate you. Mm. Yeah. Now everyone knows who I really am. And I think it's a different thing where my anxiety goes, maybe find a new thing for people to hate you about. <laughs> um, yeah. And so... Yeah, similar to Rosie, like I think that getting, I think just getting more comfortable. I also think there's a real thing in our society where people are so like, I think it's okay to like get things wrong or to like be corrected or to like learn. And I think that like, if you're not a finished product, I think that's normal. I think this idea that people are like, I know exactly who I am and I know exactly who I'm going to be and I'm going to be yeah. this person. I'm going to be, you know, and I think like, no, I think, you know, you only have the tool, tools that you were sort of, given when you were growing up you're only the person that you are so you can only really you know just continue on that journey of, of learning and being like oh okay well I guess in 10 years I'm going to be a slightly different person to who I am true, yeah. right now so I guess all I can do is be like open and honest and learn and then you know try and uh, be as authentic to who I really am as possible um, but I yeah, I think I'm getting there, but I think that it's quite challenging to, I don't know, to be like sort of vulnerable enough to be like, oh, I'm I'm exactly who I am all the time. Mm. And that's not just to do with being gay. I think that's to do with being really open about being anxious and to do with being really open about being, um, yeah, to being flawed. Yeah. Leaves you very vulnerable. In a yeah, very vulnerable I think so. And like I that. think that when you're someone that talks on stage for a living <laughs> and really puts yourself out there, you know, it's, you know, Twitter can be a really abusive place and it can be really, you know, people can be really horrific. I mean, I know yeah. that you've had oh, absolutely yeah. awful scenarios, but like, you know, people can shout things out when you're on stage and, you know, and, and you know, that sort of confirms what, why, you know, I'll, I'll always continue doing what I do. But, I think those sorts of things do sort of slightly knock away at that, like, I'm here and I know who I am. And you're like, yeah. oh, I've just been abused on Twitter. I hate me. You know, it's very hard. It's like a constant juggle. Yeah. But yeah. Right. Uh, that is so right about being vulnerable because... I'm very sage. That is the thing yeah. you have to remember. I'm very sage, very wise. But yeah, so so wise it makes Rosie go literally two octaves up oh my god I can't believe three it. octaves up <laughs> um because growing up even now disability equals vulnerable right so it doesn't but in the media yes. and if, if you see a disabled person, you may incorrectly assume that they are vulnerable. Mm. So I spent my entire life going, no, 
Don't push away from me. Um, I'm not vulnerable. I can take care of myself. I know where I am. I got it. Um, so then I feel like the older I get, I've kind of believe that narrative so whenever I do feel vulnerable which is a, a natural human yeah. state um, whenever I want to cry there's still part of me that's like no don't because you're not that you're not that person, you're not that vulnerable, disabled person everyone thinks you are. And that all sort of lead like it all sort of matches up with what you were saying before about like not using a walking aid. Yeah. And not even when Yeah. Like I know from our conversations there's been times when you when it would have been easier yes. for you to have yes. a walking aid. Like when we were, we lived together in Edinburgh yeah. one year and like <sighs> the cobbled streets in Edinburgh and cerebral yeah. palsy. No, they, they're, they're not great. That's good. <laughs> and like, you know, you'd, you know, you'd fall yeah. or you'd hurt yourself and you'd, it would have been so much easier if you had yeah. a frame yeah. or a chair. But, but it's, yeah, it all goes into that same thing up in my head. Getting the uh, aid would make me give up mm. and be vulnerable. Mm. And I've been fighting that all my life. So it's taken me time to unpick yeah and, and then go. being like oh if i do want it it's fine yeah yeah mm. and actually if i w let myself be vulnerable every now and then in the long run i'd be stronger mm. it's very that's a very important point yeah, yeah. because you see so talking about this journey's happiness and this continuous so at times, you know, I, I speak about depression a lot and, you know, my experiences with that. And people ask me, are you, this, is, it, is it gone? <laughs> so it's, it, it just, it's never going to go. It's still a yeah. part of me. It's, I'm going to have better days. I'm going to have worse days. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I'm quite happy. But you know, I'm just, every now and again, I'm still going to drop into those moments. And do you think that a massive part of that is the acceptance that, that bad days will come? That's exactly <laughs> like... it. And that's probably what allows me to continuously be happy because when I think back to to those that period when I was really suffering from depression I thought this is this is how it's going to be forever but yeah. I wouldn't I didn't want to accept it because it left me in a vulnerable position yeah yeah because accepting that there will be bad days to come means that there's the flip side of that which there are good days to come yeah and because if you expect you know if you know that both things exist that's okay. That's being alive, isn't it? Mm. And so do you see amongst all of that, that overarching happiness, do you still have those moments when you're like, fuck, I don't feel 
good. I don't feel comfortable in myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, absolutely. And so I talked earlier on about yesterday, my migraine yeah. day. So I know why I am my migraine. It's because I had food poisoning and then I did a week's filming on the food poisoning where I was abseiling off buildings and jumping out of planes. Like, what I'm currently filming, I'm like a little disabled action lady. I am <laughs> crazy and I'm at a point in my career where I'm really happy and proud and I like where it's going and I was in bed last yesterday throwing up and um, I was like why don't I get a job in the co-op like this job like a little disabled lady should not be choking herself out of planes for TV. Like, and I was like, let's say, taking a toll on my body and my stress, but I need days I need days where I'm like right I need to take my foot off a break if I take a day off every two weeks my career won't go away overnight I think you can take more than one day off every two weeks Rosie I mean but that is yeah. I think that's the thing that happens a lot when you're someone that's self-employed, you're freelance, like, you know, I'm talking from personal experience as well, you know, when you're coming up through comedy, you know, there's, you know, there's lots and lots of comics and you really want to make an impact and you need yeah. to gig all the time and to be good enough to do stand-up as a job, you've got a gig for like two, three, some, some people four or five years, you know, yeah. where you're gigging all the time, writing material to be funny enough to go and stand in front of a room full of strangers and make them all laugh when they've paid their money. You know, it's, it's a real, it's obviously a real skill. Yeah. But I think that that means that then when you, it's only since I've become a parent really that I've gone, oh, there's something that's more important than my job. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, I think I've got better at my job because of that. I think I've got funnier because I care less. I still really want to be funny, but there's yeah. something way more exciting at home than me making these strangers laugh. There's someone that's like just learned to walk. I mean, kids do you know also I mean? do a lot of funny things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that that sort of willingness to go to say no yeah. is actually like yeah. hugely powerful. Yeah. I mean, it feels like I'm sure there's like an American self-help book of like the power of no, yeah. you know, but like I think that that thing of saying like, oh, it's okay to say no. It's okay to yeah. not do the job. It's also okay to not go to the party, mm. not go to the drinks, 
you know, not go to the gym if that's what you want. You know, I think that that's the thing of like, sometimes it's a no day. Sometimes yeah. it's just for me day. You know, sometimes it's a family day. Whatever those things are, I think it's really important to like, the no's are sometimes as important as the yeses. But I think that when you're self-employed, it's really hard to remember that. And I think when you've been like hustling for fucking years, yeah. like I started stand up when I was 23, 22, 23. I'm 36 now. So 13, nearly 14 years. And, you know, I, it would not be unusual for me to go to, like, it would be like Tuesday, Birmingham, Wednesday, Cardiff, yeah. Thursday, York. You know, like it, it would be totally fine for me to go to six different cities in totally different places across the UK over the course of a week. What would you be know, the biggest reason for you doing that? Gigs. So you'd be just different gigs no, in different no, places. No, I know, but like... Oh, the, what's pushing me... What's pushing you to... To be as yes. good as I can possibly be. To yeah. be as good at stand-up as I can be. What you want to be as a stand-up... And this is sort of less about telly, because I think sometimes telly doesn't actually reflect. Like, sometimes it's a certain person, a certain type of person that they want for a job, rather yeah. than, like, someone that's an out-and-out stand-up. But I think, like, you want to be undeniably funny. So even if you don't get, you know regardless of what you do on telly it's about being undeniably funny in front of a group of people and that's always been the most i love doing the telly and i love doing different jobs but i love touring and being a comic and doing the stand-up and that was the thing of being like i want to get to a stage where everyone on a bill will be like fucking hell she's good she's really good yeah. that was and and, it, you know, and i need to think like i'm doing a good job and I think that's the thing. And I think finding what I found really useful, and this is really linked to my mental health, is working out what the things are that you really want. Because I think that when you're doing something like comedy, um, where you're surrounded by other stand-ups, like obviously me and Rosie are really good friends. We've got sort of like a gang of quite good comedy yeah. mates. Yeah. But I think you can very easily fall into what other people's dreams are. Mm. because you spend loads of time with them and mm. you're like, like Rosie's just written a children's book. Yeah. Maybe in a different time I would go, maybe I want to write a children's book. I don't want to write a children's book. Maybe yeah. one day I will, but that's not actually what I want to do at the moment. Yeah. But I think if you're surrounded by people that have these dreams, it's really easy to accidentally latch onto their dreams. Yeah. And I think sometimes sitting down and sort of going, right, what do I really want to do? I want to be really funny and I want to be a touring stand-up. I don't want to do enough telly that I can always tour. Okay, that's what I want to do. And I think working out what yeah. those things are for you means that your dreams can be somehow more achievable whereas if you just yeah. go oh i want to you know get the winning goal in the fa cup it's like well, yeah that might not happen <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to if you want to be you know if you play in the fa cup sorry if you want to play if you want to play yeah but you know what i mean like i think working out what those things are that make you want yeah, yeah. rather than what social media will tell you you want when you're looking at other like what the doom scrolling will tell you you need this big house you need that car you need you know we just want where we're filming you walk past tesla you're like oh fucking hell, it'd be nice to have a tesla you know and of course those things would be nice but you know i think that sort of like incessant knowledge of what everyone else is doing can be really detrimental so i think you know sometimes i would genuinely like write down what the things are that i want mm. yeah and then it's good to go back to that rather than looking at someone's nice car on mm. social media or their collection of trainers or whatever the fuck it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I fully agree. Say sage. So wise. Yeah. So wise. We lose 125 people every week to suicide in the UK. That's not okay. That's why we're asking you to join Calm's Lost Hours Walk 2022 
as the clocks go back, we'll be walking forwards, united against suicide. Wherever you are in the UK, take a stand against feeling hopeless, walk in solidarity with anyone who's finding life tough, and remember those we've lost. Sign up to join hundreds of walkers as we smash the silence around suicide and help make sure nobody struggles alone. Walk with us as we take steps to save lives. Because they're in comedy, um, everyone's on their own journey. Yeah, because sure. there's so many different avenues they can go down. Sure. Some people are just brilliant club comics. Some people go into acting. Or presenting. Or presenting. And when you're starting out, you do go, oh, I want to talk and write and act and do that and do that and have my own um, massive podcast. And then just stepping back and going, that's great for them. What do I want? But that is so hard when you, you're on social media and then in green rooms mm. um, when people go to you, oh, what are you doing? And you can feel that they're trying to, like, compete or, like, find out what your next step is and mm. nothing for me, nothing good ever comes from looking sideways. 100%. But, I've done a lot of that. Yeah, because if you look sideways, you're not focusing on you and you're not looking forward at where you're going. Thank you. Having this conversation has seen me realise that clearly the thing that I you identify yourselves as more than anything is just people who are funny and being comedians because that's the thing that you love the most. It's mm. almost the thing that, that serves you the most. And looking back on the journey you've come on, because I would say from the conversation we've had and from the things you've said, that's not always been the case in terms of you being comfortable in your identity yeah for sure what would you say to your your younger self that was about to embark on this journey what piece of advice would you give them i would say it's all about the journey which i think is really like it's the sort of thing that's like on a coaster isn't it <laughs> but um you know it's five o'clock somewhere <laughs> you've got a drinking problem <laughs> um, it's, it's i think that it's about um I think what Rosie just said is very good. I think like looking to the side stops you looking ahead and, and doing what you want to do. I think there are so many things in life that you, you, you know, you have no control over. The only thing you've got control over is like 
how hard you work, your work ethic, how kind you are to people, mm. you know, what, how, how your friends, your friend, the friendship groups that you make, the relationships you have, you know, I think that those things are the things that like you should pour time and energy and love into rather than being aware of what other people are doing or being aware of what, or comparing yourself. I think comparing yourself is like the end of creativity. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you sit down to write a routine and then you go on Instagram and go, oh, that person's got that job. Oh, I wonder if I was in the loop for that job. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, now I feel like shit. You're not going to write something funny. No. It's very hard to be funny from that place. Yeah. You know? So yeah, compare. don't compare, just do. There we nice. go. Put that on a bloody coaster. <laughs> I will buy six. <laughs> oh, that is very outrageous. I wouldn't want to tell my younger self anything because I needed to go on that journey. Mm. Um, um, I've, yeah, I'll probably tell her a bit of advice that I need to tell myself now, which is stop, um, spending energy on what people think about you. I think I worry too much even now about being right and I want to please everyone. Um, I'm a pleaser and um, recently um, I've had to let a few people down in jobs and in my social life I've say to them oh, shit I can't meet you today and I'm just like swamped with a guilt yeah. that comes from me thinking that everyone hates me and I just think I need to let that go and like Susie said I can be kind, I can be nice, I can be a good person, but I don't need everyone to like me at every moment of every day. Mm. And I think sometimes I make myself ill in order not to upset somebody else. Or let someone down. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, being selfish is fine. Mm. You yeah. know, as long as it's not mean. Like, you know, there's a couple of type versions of selfishness, isn't there? But I think, like, as long as it's not in a way to knowingly harm someone else. But I think being selfish and going, do you know what? I, I really just need a day yeah. doing nothing. And I've said that. My good friends, like, if I said to you, Mate, I know we've got plans tonight. I'm so tired. Oh. I feel like shit. 
I really need a day indoors. Yeah. Can we do it next week? Yeah. I know that you. I, th- I know anyone that is a good friend would yeah. totally get it. And I think that if people don't get it, you're like, yeah. oh, I don't think that you understand my life. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think you care. Because yeah. if you would prefer me to be really tired and feel like shit tomorrow, yeah. or force me into, you know, the friends that are like, stay out for another drink, stay out for another drink. You're like, oh, I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> I want to go home. Yeah. You know, if people can't understand that, it does sort of make you go. Yeah. I, I, think, I think this is a you thing. Yeah. You know, and so I think that, like, being able to be quite selfish and say, I, I just want to, I want to take some time for me. I think that yeah. anyone that's a real friend would be like, good yeah. for you, mate. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> and naturally, like, I had that exact thing yesterday because I was ill, I had to let a friend down and I think that made me morbid because I was swamped by the guilt of letting her down but Did she, was she okay with it? Yes, she was a of course I thought it was weird when you agreed to it in the first place but also the other side of it if anyone ever cancels on me I'm like secretly like (laughs) yeah same thank god I can have a night in so yeah I don't know why I'm consumed by guilt you need to make a decision to not be now yeah we've had this conversation right we've had this conversation now yeah yeah thank you both so so much thank you clearly very very incredible and inspirational people oh that's stop it and there's a reason why we're both gay (laughs) (laughs) you're a handsome boy but listen (laughs) there's a reason you're both on a pedestal because you're the people that you yourselves wanted to look up to when you were younger so that's a credit to you both as individuals. So oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this little therapy session that's going out. <laughs> 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 Amazing. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thank you.